Father, we pray for Bert. We thank you, Lord, that when he's here, he fills this room with his abundant presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord. And we know, Lord, he'll be thinking about us right now. We pray a special anointing upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. I said this last night at our own little prayer time. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise, shout to the Lord, all you lands. And then in verse 4 it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We tried to do that there, didn't we? And, uh, and his courts with praise. I don't know somehow, when the piano, maybe it's my age, but I can't hit the keys any longer. I'm either growling like a, a, a dog in pain or I'm squealing like a cat getting strangled. <laughs> but the, the, right, the, the right note's not there. It says in verse 4 of Psalm 100, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Can you say amen? amen. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name. It says in the Passion Translation of that, and I found this just last night in my office and I had it in a little bundle of notes that I had in a drawer. The Passion Translation of Psalm 100 verse 4 says, you can pass through his open gates. And that's what we're seeking to do. To come into the nearer presence of the Lord, not through death, but through dying to self. Being clothed with Christ as our natural in the spirit situation. Actually clothed with Christ. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. <laughs> I think that's playing with the Greek a little bit or the Hebrew. But uh, I get it. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. And then let me just use this as a prayer because I wrote this out in the light of that. Lord, would you reveal if there is any area that we are focusing our attention on instead of on you? Our focus is God, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Is there anything distracting me? You deserve to be first. Would you bring us back to that place where we first surrendered ourselves to you? Bring us back to that joyful fellowship we enjoyed with you in those early days. And let nothing ever again separate us from your presence. Amen. I had a funny experience this morning. I was trying to sing an old chorus. Only a lad called David. Only a little sling. Does anybody know that chorus? Only a lad called David. But he could... Pray and sing. I want you to remember that. He could pray. 
and sing. Only a lad called David, only a bubbling brook. Everything just seemed quite normal. Only across the brook, there was a vast army of Philistines. And at the head of that army, there was a man, nine foot tall, mocking God, masked in a great metal helmet. He had chain mail. It wasn't actually chain mail, it was interleafed mail of bronze. He was like something from outer space, I'm sure. You know, something absolutely abnormal, supernaturally terrifying, because the whole army fled from his presence of King Saul. But when this young boy, teenager, arrived on the battlefield to take food to his brothers, his three elder brothers were in the army. He had come from a place where he knew how to play and sing. And in the events that then transpired, without any armor on, except he was clothed in the armor of God, can you say hallelujah? Even then. He comes to this brook. There the other side is this great Philistine and in front of the Philistine there's another mighty warrior with a shield so large that undoubtedly he could actually stand behind it and be unseen but he was protecting much of Goliath. So Goliath's almost behind a wall. A voice that could roar like a lion. And here's this young boy Probably 15 or 16 at the most. And here's a brook. Only a lad called David. I was thinking about this this morning. Only a lad called David. Only a little sling. Only a lad called David, but he could pray and sing. Whatever you have in your hand is probably sufficient slaying the giants in your life. Only a lad called David, only a bubbling brook, only a lad called David, but five little stone pieces. I, I, do you know what, as a wee boy, me and a guy called John Ralston in the Brethren Sunday School, a very tight Brethren Sunday School, let me tell you, the Tabernacle in Shettleston, just next door was the open brethren, but you wouldn't touch them. <laughs> no, no, they were worldly. We were the, we were the catch pajamas. Anyway. <laughs> me and John would try to outsing the whole Sunday school, and we did. I think something, you know, I think somehow when, even as children, when we get something like that in your mind, in your heart, it changes you. And it puts you on a course in life where you will have to slay some giants, but they will fall. So me and John would rattle away and sing with our squeaky wee schoolboy voices, I'm sure. Only a bubbling brook, only a lad called David. Five little stones he took. One little stone went in the sling 
And the sling went round and round. One little stone went in the sling. Oh, let me check. And it went round and round. Round and round and round and round and round and round and round. Let me just say this. When we get giants in front of us, and when we get purposes where God is fulfilled, it means battle. It means, a, it means bloodshed almost in the spiritual sense. It means pain, heartache, heartbreaking times. And it seems as if all we're doing is going round and round and round, the same thing morning after morning, evening after evening, week after week, year after year. No, no, it's not an easy road that we are traveling together. But many are the giants on the way. Remember, this giant's coming towards them all the time. He chooses five stones. Because Goliath had four other brothers. All champions. One little stone went through the air. And the only part of that giant, the armor would come, the only part that was exposed was behind, behind his eyes and his, above his nose. And you know, as I thought about it this morning, I thought, they may be big giants, but they've got an awfully soft head. Because <laughs> it said the stone went right through. <laughs> I remember as a young man reading a book by Geoffrey T. Bull, and uh, when Iron Gatefield, and uh, you know, I, as a young boy, I often thought I'd love to meet that man, Geoffrey T. Bull. That's a great book. I didn't know he just lived up the road. He lived in Mulgai. I didn't know that. And uh, I want to just tell you, God lives quite close to you and me, right? And Jeffrey T. Bull in, in that book, I'm sure that's the, the book, he, he actually gives you the physics of the action of a sling with a stone in it and the power and the energy that's created. It's like a bullet out of a gun. It took my breath away as a youngster reading it and realising that what seems to be of little consequence in the hand of a man who knows how to pray and sing giants will fall I believe that that stone was supernaturally directed as well by God the number five is an important number in the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the five teaching. And in the book of Psalms, Psalms is divided into five books. And in that first book, which takes you up to Psalm 41, we've got Psalm 23. And I want to just say this very simply. David came from looking after the sheep. And in a very real sense, he was one of the sheep of God's pasture. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. I want to just think about it for a moment. 
It's the, you know, if you're interested in these things, this might interest you, but it's not really all that important. The first five books of the Bible correspond to the five books of Psalms. So this is an actual fact. Psalm 1 to Psalm 40 or 41 is actually Genesis in reflection. It's about beginning. It's about the fall. It's about three men, really. It's about Adam. It's about Noah and about Abraham. It's about Jesus. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Abraham, his faith was accounted to him as righteousness before God. I sat and meditated on this for four or five hours yesterday at least. And when you turn to Psalm 23, the man who could pray and sing and who could be unfazed by a giant coming towards him like a, a great tank from the Second World War, impregnable, terrifying to the whole army of Israel, Every, everybody else in terror, apprehension. Instead of having on the gospel shoes, they had on their running shoes. They were ready to go off the field as quick as they could. But this man, this young man, could stand and choose five stones. Not only that, but he had a plan completely worked out. I believe it's a revelation from God and he, he talks about it. I'm going to kill him, I'm going to cut up his head. <laughs> and I'm going to feed the rest of the Philistine army to the birth there. There was no fear when your faith is fixed on the Lord. And it says here, let me just say this. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not trying to be fancy today. I just want you to maybe hear something. There are seven divine names of God in the Bible. And in actual fact, it's God from every angle. And David knew God from every angle. He wasn't just an expert in one area of knowledge of God. Be still and know that I am God. And I can see David with his harp watching his sheep when he sings in a, I believe in a melody and in a, a note that if we could hear it today, we would absolutely just fall in love with it. I know there are some wonderful different melodies, like Crimmond. I remember announcing Crimmond in a vast church, great, 
great big vast cathedral-like church out there on the east coast of Scotland. And the old beadle said to me afterwards, why did you choose Crimmond? That's for sissies. Because <laughs> there's many other tunes, and I've always, always remembered that, that lovely man. He was an elder as well in the church. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Raha. You know, there are three principal thoughts in this psalm. The shepherd and his sheep. The guide. The man going through difficult times. And the host of a beautiful house who welcomes a traveller home. It's all here. Something very beautiful about this. Jehovah Raha. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh. My provider. He leads me beside the still waters. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Yes, even with a giant running towards me, at least coming towards me. An army moving towards me, confident, powerful, bloodthirsty. I stop at a little brook. Because this is where my strength comes from. Leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rapha. And it's actually, that, you know, the Lord my healer. Um, that's not how you say the Hebrew. It's Jehovah Rapha, but it sounds funny, doesn't it? So I'm going to use Rapha. But it's Jehovah Rapha. And the Lord our healer. He sent forth his word and healed him. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Jehovah Sikandu, the Lord our righteousness. Our righteousness is from the Lord. For his name's sake, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is ever present. If I go to the heavens, he's there. If I go down into Sheol, he's there. Jehovah Shammah. David knew that. And when I'm facing a giant, he's also my Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, your rod and staff. Just see the spear of the Lord or the sword of the Lord. 
right there. He didn't have a sword himself, David. But the Lord was his banner. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's no fear. In fact, also you can see the Lord my banner. He brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me, Jehovah Nisi. His love. No fear. In the presence of my enemies, no fear. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Both the religious powers of his day and the political powers persecuted him. Then you anoint my head with oil. You know, we're the anointed of the Lord. Prophets, priests, were kings. But we are anointed. One of the things I was going to do today was do, look at Luke's gospel. Do you believe that? Luke's gospel is also called the gospel of prayer. Did you know that? Oh, I think in Mark, Matthew, there's only one real time you know, reference to prayer, really. And Mark has got two. But it's multiplied scores of times in Luke. It's just everywhere. If you begin to read even chapter one, it's And intertwined even in chapter one of Luke, and it goes all the way through, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, let me just say this. Do you know what elevates women to their rightful position all the way through? It's, it's a gospel for the poor all the way through, you just read it, and for the Gentiles and for the untouchables. And I thought, well, that's like, I'll talk about that tomorrow. And I think I did another five hours on, on Luke. <laughs> Let me just say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I think that last word that says forever, I need to check it, I think it's Selah. You find it in Habakkuk three times, Selah, in one chapter. You also find Selah 71 times in the Psalms. I cast 74 times altogether in the Bible. But I think this is the most significant one. It often means, think about that. But in here it definitely means one of the, 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 the you know, one of the rainbow colours of the word sealer. It's forever. And I think we need to think about that. No matter what we're facing, The Lord is forever on our side. We are forever anointed. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know, last week Bert told me, one of my dear, dear friends from away back, and I worked with him, I mean, 
intimately. Brian Hayes in Edinburgh had passed away. I hadn't seen him in years. But for 15 years I worked in association with him and a man called Stuart Brunton in Dundee. Great friends of mine. I was the boy. And then, a couple of days ago, another friend I led to the Lord go to his funeral on Tuesday. It passed away. Forever with the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? Forever. Really, what he's saying here is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And I love these verses. I sometimes do them in my own translation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Now, when, when you're facing a giant, you might forget. You might have your running shoes on, you might have your crying eyes on. And forget not all his benefits, who heals all your iniquities, or forgives all your iniquities, and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Guess who wrote this? Only a man called Jesus. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And satisfies your mouth with good things. Not with negative things. But with good things. Good words. I don't think he's talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken. Look, we were going for a whole bundle of that to feed a family at the end of the service. Satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. When, when, when we know God from every angle, you know, we run about sometimes chasing dragons or chasing giants, casting out demons. Sometimes we get our priorities wrong. We're looking for the great thing. We're looking for the big giants to face. You know, in, the, in Matthew, The last sermon of Jesus. It must be important. There's a sheep and the goats. Jesus is shepherd. The Lord is my God. You're a star. You're a goat. You're a sheep. Where will, which, which side will you be on? Which side will I be on? Because in the teaching, this is his last sermon. That's so important. Right? Who am I? 
your name, I cast out demons. And healed the sick, and I'm on that. I mean, I'm really into that just now because I believe that is a key. But, I'm a god. And I'm casting out demons and I'm doing, seeing miracles. Not fanciful, not just slight of hand and, you know, all words and no quitter. No. In your name, in your name, Lord. Do you know, I believe a Philistine who cast out demons and healed the sick if they just did what Jesus told them to do for pity. If they had that, you know. Anyway. Why am I a sheep, Lord? Well, I was sitting in Byers Road one day. And it's cold. And I was bedraggled. I was hungry. And he gave me a sandwich and a bottle of coke. It's not that you get saved by giving someone a sandwich and a coat who's hungry. It's a consequence of true salvation. Jesus had compassion on the multitude. Our part of the motorway was blocked today coming here. There was a man, couldn't see what age he was, tallish, with a big black hoodie on, black clothes. <coughs> and there was a, a police pulled before with a flashing light, said pedestrian. And it looked to me as if they couldn't get the guy to come away from the crash barrier. There was no hard shoulder at this part. And come into the place of safety. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, blankety blank, that idiot. For as much as you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Splag, it's a funny one. Nizahom, splag nizahomi ahi. It's a big funny one. The bowels of compassion. That's what it is. And that's what motivated Jesus. Do you know that there's as many brain cells in your Bowels is the piss in your brain. It was the gut reaction of Jesus to feed the hungry. 
as a strict Jew, you would never go through Samaria. You know that, don't you? They wouldn't, their feet would not touch the soil of Samaria. It said Jesus must go through Samaria. And we sometimes as Christians, we must go to places where we are poor. Not only does it go through Samaria, but it comes to a well. And there's a woman comes. The disciples are away buying food. They don't care if it's America or Samaria. They're hungry. They're going to get a big buck, a big day. Amen. And he says, give me a drink. Now this is amazing. If you just think of that. She had a cup that she drunk out of. She's looking at this tree. This is, her, this is the radical point where this woman becomes totally a wonderful evangelist for the Samaritan cause. He takes it from her hand and he drinks from it. And lightly didn't come and strike him. This is one of the most amazing moments in the ministry of Jesus. Why? Well, not this woman's living there, man. And she's lived with five men before. I mean, you say husbands, I think it's just different men. No. And you find it in Luke. Not that bit, but the woman taking an adultery. Man of the life and then. Blind is a full mind. The blind is a full No. You're a ghost. I, I know about all the miracles. I, I know you cast out those demons. You're not. Did you finish? David arrives at the camp. He sees the king. He's getting a hard time from his brothers. You will get a hard time from your brothers and sisters. If you get confident faith that is genuine, you will always prevail. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, Oh man, I'm evil against you, falsely. You're in the right place. Now, I know some people do, but not falsely. You know. Make sure it's falsely. And King, you know, the, the, the king says, how, how, how on earth can you kill a giant? Because he's still scratching his head. He says, well, when I was watching the sheep, and I should like, as far as I can remember, this is in the plural, although in, in the King James and New King James, which I use, it's in the same place.
He said, when one of my real lambs was taken by a lion, it actually says, I know in the, King, the, the New Living Translation it says, I got a club and a bat of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't find club in here. Uh, but most translators and most would think it could say he's bare hands too. He said, uh, I did a lamb. I, I, he must have opened the jaws of the thing or something. He said, I killed the lamb. And when a bear came in, I did the same. I thought it was good. <laughs> this, this is me. How do you kill a bear? With your bear hands. How do you kill the giant of cancer, the lion of cancer, of all kinds of sickness, with the word of the Lord in your bare hands? You see him. I know I failed lots of times, but I know that's the direction we're going. You see, what's the point, Alec? How many of our little ones are in the jaws of a lion? They can't escape. They're in the grip of a bear. David didn't get on his knees and cry out to the Lord to deliver that lamb. He went and delivered it. Do you know, on February the 4th, 2019, it was in a lot of papers. A man in Colorado who was a, called a trail runner was attacked by a lion. A mountain lion. Probably the same kind that David's talking about. You know, he killed it with his bare hands. I like the stories of lions. Daniel. He was a lion tamer, wasn't he? As somebody said years ago, he turned those lions into pussycats. <laughs> Samson was a lion killer. Bare hands. But he didn't have the character to sustain it. David had some huge character flaws. Can I say this in closing? But so do you. I'm sorry, so do you. You can be a giant killer. You can go and rescue the lambs. That's a good place to start, that's all I'm saying. I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against mighty princes and high places. Do you know, do you know when, when, again in Luke's Gospel, when Jesus was baptized by John, the heavens opened. 
in the Terminator. If we're as close to Jesus as we have to be, we've got to be in it. There's always an open heaven among us. Jesus operates under an open heaven. The devil tells you, no, so many demons, no, 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 Greater things than these shall you do. He's not talking nonsense or any riddles, no, this is the same. One last thing. It says, and the Philistine, the giant, cursed David by his gods. Do you know we get so upset with curses? Oh, I've got all these curses. All that, all that. Here's this great big huge giant. Like the devil himself. Cursing, cursing, cursing. He knew how to pray. And he knew how to praise. Can you say amen? Yeah. Listen, it's a lie of the devil. So much. Yes, there's curses, yes. Poor, poor people can be, you know, don't know Jesus, all the rest of it. Rebels against God and all these things, and we can look at. The last thought I have after that, he was cursing away and suddenly. David didn't have a... Do you notice there was no man with a shield after that? <laughs> All the Philistines were running, including the man. He just left the shield, that I'm sure. David takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head, and comes back. You can just see him one more. Yeah, big head. He's walking back. And so says, to Abner. Whose son is that? What's this? Whose son are we? Behold, first John chapter 3, verse 1. What man of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be giant us, that we should be called the sons of God. And you know, he took the head back to Jerusalem. And according to, I think, a well established story, he buried that head at the top of a hill called Calvary. Do you know what the name Calvary means? The hill of the skull. I know it's got a shape of a skull at the moment, but you know, I don't know about 2,000 years ago. I do believe the garden tomb that we visit, Gordon's Calvary, as we call it, General Gordon, who saw it from a house in Jerusalem and thought, that looks like a skull. And yes, he did find under all the rubbish that was a rubbish pit. They found a tomb and they found a garden that had been there 2,000 years ago. And yes, maybe it's for our blessing that it looks like a skull today with all the corrosion that's going on. I guarantee if you looked underneath that, we dug down that 
we may explain that genetically. That's where they crucified Jesus. The greatest giant killer of all. I saw Satan that laid there. Fall from heaven. Only a lad called David. Only a little son. Only a lad called David. And he could pray himself. Only a lad called David. Only a bumbling heap. Only a lad called David. Five little stones he took. Number of graves. giant failed to return. What giant did he face? The altar. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. To me he is so wonderful, to me he is so wonderful, to me. He is so wonderful because he first loved me. Let me read this prayer again. From Psalm 100, verse 4. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thanks offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. Lord, would you reveal if there is any area that we are focusing our attention on instead of on you? Is there anything distracting me You deserve to be first. Would you bring us back to that place where we first surrendered ourselves to you when we were giant killers, when we could pray and sing all day? Bring us back to that joyful fellowship we enjoyed with you and with our friends of old in those early days and let nothing ever again 
separate me or us from your glorious presence. Thanks, Tom.